0: 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Game over. Welcome, welcome to Game Over Montreal. We are starting in our usual state, but with, I've got a little guest here with me who's, uh, watching a video on the iPad because an early game means you've got two kids awake and you can't do the youngest bedtime with uh, this one just running around on his own. So he gets to hang out with me. Dylan, do you want to say hi? Yes, you do. Okay, you got to look over here and say hi. You don't want to say hi? Okay, that's fine. You can watch. Don't worry. All right. So, of course, covering another Montreal Canadiens loss. I've got a great guest with me today, though. We're going to welcome in Laurie Bennett. How's it going, Laurie?
1: it's going okay how are you doing
0: i'm doing all right uh a little thrown by the early game today for mlk day but uh obviously united states has a day off we do not (laughs) (laughs) so we've got we're juggling things here and he seems to be doing all right so far so just my leg will be numb by the end of the show i'm sure as he sits here and doesn't squirm right, buddy but uh, yeah, um, I guess the Habs were thrown a little bit too because they didn't start the game off at all, really, until at the end of the first period.
1: <laughs> Two well, teams
0: that are tanking—one of them on purpose, one of them by accident—but only one of them really is, was really trying the night. Yeah,
1: it was. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's a it's tough to watch these games for sure. I mean. You know, you'd have to think both teams would be coming into that game feeling pretty embarrassed. They know what's being said about this game. They know we're calling it the fight for right or the battle for the basement or whatever, you know, whatever fun things we've named it in the last, uh, you know, few hours. But, uh, you know, you, you would think there'd be a little bit more pride in the line, but uh, the Habs are in rough shape. They're, they're, they're in rough shape.
0: Yeah, it's hard to put it any more succinctly than that because, you know, I kind of been pointing out the last few games ever since he came back, really, that uh, like there's some players out there that aren't giving 100% and that's understandable. And then there's some players out there giving 5% and that's Mike Hoffman. <laughs> Just yeah, that's not care. I, like... like I can't really blame them, but at the same time it's still professional sports. So you want to see a bit more. And I just, the biggest contrast to these two teams was that like one of them is bad, but every shift was doing things, you know, and the other one is bad, but was just there.
1: Well, we can be kind and say, maybe Arizona has more practice being bad. Hey, Uh, there you go. But not really. I mean, the Habs haven't been good for a number of years. You know, if you, if you, pretend the playoffs didn't happen last year, but um, yeah, there's, there's something really, there's something bigger going on for that team. The Habs aren't this bad on paper. Um, And, and for sure, they've, they've uh, had some injuries and COVID and everything else. They've had some rough breaks in the past few weeks, but the tone for this season was, was set before anyone got injured. Well, anyone after the season started, before anyone after the season started got injured or before COVID came, the, the tone was already set And, uh, you know, there's a bigger there's a bigger mindset issue there for the Habs that we can only fully wrap our heads around if we're in that room and we're not. But uh, more of the same today. But, uh, you know, players getting healthy, coming back, but more of the same.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. I think a lot of people after the long break thought that. With that long break and players coming back, that there might be like a bit of a pop and maybe. There, it would almost be like a yeah. fresh start, but everything's still very clearly weighing heavily. And then you've got, you know, in the middle of the game, I guess it was during an intermission, but Brennan Gallagher, who's not playing, who's still a <laughs> week or two away, complaining on Twitter about a, a goal that was not called off compared to, comparing to his. And he had like a couple different examples. And listen, I don't blame him for being upset because I don't think anybody's been harmed more by called off goals than Brennan Gallagher but that tweet kind of encapsulates why he's not going to be captain. Does it not? So that, that I said the
1: same thing when I saw that tweet and that's why you're not the captain. That's why you can't be captain. I mean, you know, and let's put it in perspective here. You can apparently be a scout out West and be the Montreal scout, be, be the captain of the Montreal Canadiens, but you can't, you can't be tweeting that on in the middle of a game and, and think that's going to set you up nice to be captain. Uh, and I don't know if he even wants to be captain in all honesty, because he has to know that's a bad idea, but, uh, but yeah, that's where the Habs are at right now. And, and even Dom making the choice to, to challenge the call, Um you know, I I kind of thought in my head, who like not not that I you know had a good sense of what the call was going to be. Who the heck knows what the calls are ever going to be in these situations? But I thought that Romanov was close enough and his arm was touching him. I mean, he'd had to be pushing him with his left arm into the goalie. Uh, that you know the the writing was on the wall for me. Uh, but, but poor old Dom still got <laughs> still got to do what what makes sense to do. It's just it yeah. felt kind of inevitable.
0: It, it's a weird situation because i feel like in a lot of ways as a coach he's also going through the motions but unlike yeah. the players he can't appear to be right so he's still got to yeah. make those challenge calls and as much as you look at it and you're like who cares he has to care you know because yeah. yeah a lot of these guys who are signed yeah a lot of these guys who are signed to term like Ducharme is not likely to be back in Montreal next year. So he's going to be looking for another gig. Whether he deserves one is, you know, another topic of conversation, but I, I just, every time I start criticizing him too much, and there's a lot to criticize in my opinion, I just look at the hand he was dealt and I'm like, man, has it been a fair shake for him at all?
1: For sure. Actually, I've seen a, a bit of talk lately. Um, I heard, I believe it was Craig Button uh, speak of it first, maybe. I, I might be making this up, but I feel like I heard it on Toronto radio. Maybe it was on 690. I don't remember. But uh, he was the first, I think, that I heard mention. Maybe, maybe Gordon and company decide that they want to give Dom another look with the right hand. It's not like they expect to contend next year. And it's not like a GM gets the opportunity to hire and fire too many uh, coaches. You know, they might they might choose to, you know, see what he can do with, with a better deck of cards, if you would. Uh, though, I mean, do we really expect the roster is going to be fantastic next year? Uh, but at least the, at least the, uh, the plan and the, you know, what he'd be required to do would be different.
0: Yeah, I, I hear you. And I, I do wonder that as well. Uh, I yeah. find it probably unlikely just because every yeah. new GM likes to put in their own guy. Right. And For sure. Although Ducharme was a guy who came in with a good reputation. I think the biggest difficulty for him coming back next year would be to crack the whip now, right? Because everything's kind of gone by the wayside. There's not really, like, we can talk about his system or whatever, and I hear a lot of people talk about, like, oh, it's complicated for players to play. I don't know if that's necessarily true. But I will say, like, players are allowed to get away with things in a year like this, that they aren't in a normal year. So can the same guy come in and be an authority when everything's kind of a joke right now? I feel like it would have to be a lot of turnover. Yeah. You got it, buddy. I'll put on another one. I can't,
1: I can't really wrap my head around Dom at all. To be honest, I find him to be uh, difficult to sort of, I mean, you know, when you think about uh, when he, when he was uh, made uh, you know, promoted to coach last year, Joanne spoke so highly of him, And, you know, then we know how the season ended for, for, for Joe. And I'm not suggesting in any way, shape or form that that's on Dom, but uh, you know, and then we started get start up again this year, you know, there's the footage shown a couple of times of some, you know, a little, you know, some heated conversations on the ice between the two of them. Uh, you know, not that I think any, any of them have been worth noting really, except, you know, one wonders where everything is at this point. You know, they, they spoke so highly of him when he was appointed first. And now it's just sort of like, uh, it, like it's like they've all forgotten how to play hockey. And yeah. uh, it's, it's kind of bizarre. Uh, so one wonders, you know, they're not this bad. If you look, there's no reason for this group to be this bad. Uh, they shouldn't be as bad as Arizona. Uh, but here we are.
0: Yeah, I actually have a column coming up for the Montreal Gazette that I'll plug quickly where I looked at like three different expected goals models. And by all of them, the Habs were worse than 30 goals below expected in their goal differential. So that's like the way the numbers shake out on average is that six goals in goal differential equals one win. So they are about five wins short of where they should be based on merit which is like the actual shots that they've taken. And that's right. without accounting for illness and injury that like every team's yeah. dealing with it this year. But I think the Canadians would, it would be very fair to say have dealt with worse than like at least 20 other teams in that regard. So it's like, how bad are they still not good, but they're not this bad. And it, it's kind of like, for next year, because I've seen a couple comments and there are people talking about, Oh yeah, you know, this is the battle for Shane, Wright. And then you had some people who aren't Habs fans in the comments here saying like, Oh, if Habs fans think Shane Wright's going to come in and turn this ship around, nobody thinks that. Um, I think everybody at this point wants a full rebuild. <laughs> so the idea is like, they're probably going to be bad or attempt to be this bad, not this bad, but in the bottom of the league for the next year or two, at least. And, I wonder if they can be that bad without everything going against them. Like it has this year, because that's like another thing that I wonder about Because you want the takedown to be very careful and you want to them to evaluate who they're keeping and, you know, not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right. But at the same time, they're probably going to have to strip this thing off for parts relatively quickly and haphazardly in order to be bad enough next year to get into the Connor Bedard sweepstakes, because there will be players who will be healthier. There will be players who will rebound. Like, I don't think anybody expects Cole Caulfield to be on pace for two goals at this point next year. So there's, it's like, it's a weird situation, right? Cause you
1: yeah, know, they're not as bad, I but know. you need
0: them to be, you need them to be,
1: need them to be bad. I, I don't know how you evaluate this mess. Um, you know, there was, I mean, there were some nice things to look at, <laughs> you know, when when the uh when there were so many guys out uh either injured or ill, and uh you had guys like Betamo and Pizzetta and uh Ilonen and all those guys playing and you know they were kind of fun to watch. Pizzetta's fun to watch. Do I think he's a full-time NHLer? Probably not, not on our good team at least. Uh, but you know, they're, they're fun to watch if, you know, when you're looking at those kids, you know, how much of it is, you know, they might be the easiest to evaluate for Gordon, frankly, because they're coming in all in a similar sort of boat, but how do you, how do you evaluate where Mike Hoffman is right now? Yeah. Um, how do you evaluate to Foley or, or Gallagher even, um, you know, how do you evaluate what's, what price is going is, or, you know, is, is it where he's gonna be when he comes back. It's a tough, like you said, a very short turnaround. And I don't know how much is possible to do immediately. I, I wonder if some of that work, I think, some, I think we'll see it happen in, in stages. Some happen at the deadline, some happen at the draft because they all wanna have you know, something dramatic at the draft, I'm sure. And probably, uh, you know, uh, they'll wait to see if they're smart. I think they'll wait to see how some guys rebound next year, even if the attention is to move on from them to see if they can pop their value up a bit in the meanwhile. But evaluating this crew right now, like looking at Jeff Petrie, what's your evaluation of Petrie right now? We're not seeing Petrie like no. like was he was he even this bad in Evan? <laughs> you know I don't know. Uh, it's 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 a tough job right now to be looking at who you know who each of these guys is and and whether you want which ones of them you want on your team going forward. It's and of course you know you talk about the Habs fans all being ready for a rebuild. Yep, they're all ready for a rebuild, but they don't want to trade anybody.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. Or well, they and, don't yeah. want to trade anybody big, right? <laughs> no, and they like.
1: Even, even, even players that, I mean, I love Um, uh, but do I think that there's wisdom and, you know, if the right offer comes for Lekanen, you don't blink, uh, you know, will that offer come? Who knows? He's certainly one of the players that has actually looked like he gave a hoot this, this season. Uh, so I, I can see that he might get some interest. And if he does, you know, I've, you pumped your article, I'll pump mine. Mine's coming out tomorrow and I'll be looking at options for uh, that. That could, you know, a fantasy, if you would, for a return on, on Likkonen. But, you know, people have as strong feelings about moving Lycanon as they would if you were talking about Suzuki and it's, uh, you know, fans, fans get attached to players for uh, for obvious reasons. You need them to, or no one buys tickets and the like, but uh but this team isn't going to look like this next year. And the year after that is going to look even more different again. And, and the alternative is worse. If they don't, we're looking for more years of mediocre.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. Uh, and for those wondering, there's a link to Lori's blog in the description of this video. And if you're listening to the podcast in the podcast description, so go check out Lori's blog. There'll be a new article up there very shortly. Um, question on the stream chat here from Marco drawer asks, do I think that uh, the calls against the Habs on like goals are like biased? No, uh, I think there's maybe a little bit of bias against Brennan Gallagher, but it's a bias that's been yeah. heavily earned over the course of his career. Right. And there, so are, it's there like, are other players just a, like him, right? Yeah, exactly. Lots yeah. of players just like him. And like, yeah. uh, we were, I was talking to a couple of friends during the game about uh, Brennan Gallagher and like, oh yeah, the refs treat him like garbage. And it's like, cause he's kind of a jerk to them. <laughs> know, <laughs> if you're yeah. not, if you're not really funny, like Brad Marchand and the rest really like you, if you treat them badly, they'll start treating you badly as well. And Gallagher is the kind of player who gets in the mix all the time. So he's kind of earned that reputation. Will he ever get out of it? Probably not. But, uh, that's just the way it is. And some, some players have to be that way in order to be successful. So it's not even really me judging him. It's just, that is the way it is part
1: of who he is yeah it's it's part of what he brings it's um and he had that reputation 12 minutes into his first game pretty much right like it's always been his reputation that he was going to always push the envelope he'd always step over the line a little bit you know and he'd always gripe about it to the refs afterwards and and all that jazz and it's it's part of who he is uh and it's part of what makes him competitive but you can't be that guy and like we said you know, think that captaincy is a good idea and you can't be that guy and think that you're going to start getting good calls from the refs. It's, you know, that, that ship has sailed for him. I think, you know, I guess anyone can change, but I, I think it would be really tough for him to change his reputation with refs now. And there are other guys just like him that over the years that just aren't getting those calls um, and got, and on the opposite end, guys who will get away with a ton of stuff because of who they are. How many cross checks did we see, uh, Shay Weber get a get away with, you know, yes. for every for every penalty that should have been called in, in Gallagher's favor, uh, probably you know double that for the ones that didn't get called, triple that for the ones that get, didn't get called against Weber. So you know, like it it it, it works both ways, um, you know it, and and no doubt there are plays that if it was just about any player other than Gallagher, the call, particularly those goalie interference calls but he's not getting the benefit of doubt on those. He just never. isn't. That's never happening.
0: No, I mean, I think the one against the Lightning probably should have gone Gallagher's way, but yeah. it's like you can't fixate too much on one and ignore the entire career's worth of running goals yeah. <laughs> that Gallagher has. Actually, you know, he doesn't really run them. He's just like a perpetual line stepper, right? He's just yeah. always there. So it's he's not going to get the benefit of the doubt, like you said. Um, somebody else who's... I think would like the benefit of the doubt for tonight is Caden Primo, who has played his first game. I believe in a month, they said on the broadcast after going through the COVID protocols, I think I speak for most of the fan base. When I say everyone just wants to see this guy Excel right now, because they want to be confident in when Carrie is gone, that they have a goaltender of the future in the organization already. And they're not like stuck searching I'm like, there are things about Primo that I like. There have been times in the NHL this year where he's looked really composed and I've liked his movement, but he was not great tonight. And I don't want to judge him too harshly because of the long break, but he was not great tonight.
1: Everyone wants him to do well. Everyone wants him. I want him to be the, you know, one of the reasons why I could, you know, why, why I've always thought that you could keep carry and still rebuild is because of the transition plan. Plan with with Primo. That only works if Primo's actually a cheap transition plan. And right now, it, he doesn't look like he's necessarily up for that. Uh, though he's also had a couple of good showings this season. You know, hopefully we'll get. You know, hopefully this doesn't do him in, and we'll get to see him at least another time this week, or you know, maybe twice this week. We can, like because there is there is kind of a need to f- for the Habs to figure out what they've got with him. But that said, like, it's it's not a great. Uh, it's not a great environment in which to demonstrate your best attributes. You know, it's it, with the, when the team in front of you is playing like they're, you know, when half of them, you know, half of them are into it and half of them are just sort of floating. Um, it's got to be hard for a goalie to stay focused and show off who he is. It, you know, it has to feel a little bit inevitable from go, but uh, but he did have a rough night and Yeah.
0: Yeah, I find like that third goal especially sticks out to me. Like, if you're a goalie, yeah, maybe you make a miraculous save, but what are you thinking? What are you, what's going through your head when your two defensemen just take guys off to the side of the net and everybody else watches a defenseman from their team cut completely to the middle <laughs> with yeah. no coverage whatsoever like and yeah Anderson lost his man there was miscommunication between him and Dvorak that created that situation in the first place but I I can't imagine what Caden Primo was thinking in that moment like throw me a bone here guys like do something to stop this guy cutting through the middle
1: yeah it's it's a rough time to be a young goalie like I I feel for the other kid as well Montembeau or whatever his name is like you know I feel like he's probably not gonna come out of Montreal shining either you know when he was probably looking for an opportunity to to you know get some starts and look you know show himself off in a different location and maybe get some more attention and and I don't know that that's happening for him either but um but, yeah, the Habs have a, a net issue, <laughs> you know, like in terms of who's coming up. And, you know, I, I've wondered. I wondered when they did it, and I've, I've continued to wonder. You know, I, I years ago I used to talk about not worried about Perry's contract. They have a solid transition that's going to be cheap for a few years. Uh, but then they rushed to sign Primo out of college, and I don't know what the rush was for that. But I, I'm not sure why they didn't let him develop at least another year before bringing him to uh, the AHL. But, um, But here we are, and it is what it is. But um, I I hope he gets another look or two this week and uh, that the team shows up differently in front of him. But that would certainly be a change from what we've seen so far this season.
0: Yeah, I don't have the, the timing in front of me, but now I'm wondering. You mentioned them rushing to sign him out of college. Did they sign him before or after Price signed his big deal?
1: Mm.
0: Because if it was before, I wonder if that was like maybe a leverage tactic from Bergevin to be like, look, we don't need you. We've got our goalie of the future here. Not that it worked if that was the tactic because they paid a lot for Gary Price, but
1: yeah. <laughs> that was leverage. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's not the best leverage, but you know, you're looking for anything, right?
1: Yeah, I don't really recall, but I, yeah. they signed him, I believe, after his second year of college. I believe it was.
0: Yeah. I know he's and, been with Laval for a few years now. That's for yeah. sure. And but I
1: yeah. always get antsy with the college kids,
0: <laughs> you yes. know, and whether
1: they're ever going to sign. I like, you know, I, I get, uh, you know, in, in some ways signing a kid early from college, you know, removes some of that angst, but for a goalie that, you know, they're usually a little bit later coming along and stuff. I just, and knowing what was happening with Kerry, knowing that he likely wasn't going anywhere Uh, And I don't remember if the contract was in place or not, but for me, it was, it wasn't a necessary signing so quickly, but
0: here we are. Uh, Yes. That is this organization, right? They like to push guys a little bit faster than they need to be. And how many times have we seen it now? The development is not very good. (laughs) <laughs> frankly, it, that's the it number, more than just the draft, I think that's the biggest thing that needs to be overhauled in this organization. But you know what? I do want to talk about something positive a bit, Lori, and that is from what I saw tonight, one guy really stuck out to me. And that was Jonathan Duran, who I think great all night. season long has been like the guy when they seem down and out and not playing great, has been the guy who's brought an offensive spark twice tonight. He created goals. He and- did I just and, and of all the guys. That. Yeah. And of all the guys who have like every excuse in the book to kind of phone it in a little bit. He's got a little bit of term left. He had a rough year last year on and off the ice.
1: Yeah.
0: He's been like really solid. I think he's the only guy who I would say has played fully to expectations.
1: I I would agree with that. I would say he's been consistent across the season that he you know, there might be some games where he's not quite as noticeable as others. But generally speaking, he doesn't disappear for a long time. And and he's not a guy that's ever going to satisfy fans. Um, They'll always remember the trade and they'll you know, they they want him to be something he isn't but he had a couple of assists tonight and he was, you know, he was in on the action lots. I like him and Dvorak together. I think it's a, I think Dvorak looks best when he's with uh, Jerome as well. And I like Pitlick with this, with the two of them. Um, I, I thought the lot the shifts that they were together, they, you know, there were a few times that, that Anderson that snuck in there as well, but I, I, I like that new kid. I think he's got, uh, he brings something different. It'll be interesting to see how long it takes before the, uh, culture in Montreal eats him away, but, uh, but, you know, I, I, I thought Drouin looked good. I think, I think he might be someone that teams might have an interest in at the deadline, in all honesty, that he might, there might be a potential for him to actually leave Montreal. Um, And, and he was, you know, he was solid, you know, like last season, really before, you know, before he got, uh, now we know, know that whereas, you know, his health was deteriorating, I imagine. Uh, In in that period leading up to when he, you know, he was doing well and then he wasn't, and then he wasn't with the team. So, uh, you know, it's, he's never going to, to satisfy fans really, but uh, I thought he looked good tonight.
0: Yeah. I think if you look back uh, for anybody who is a good Googler, I don't know if it's actually still up anymore, but back when the Druin trade happened, I believe it was for RDS that I wrote an article, a column on that trade. And basically my whole point was this guy is not a savior, but he's a decent middle six guy. And the downfall is going to be expectations. And there was a comment here saying like, you'd be surprised how much drawing gets roasted on the Francophone side of the media. No, I know (laughs) I've seen it. It's pretty bad. It's It's awful. Yeah. When you're brought in and sold as like the savior of the organization and you're going to be a first line center, but really, you're a 50-point winger who is primarily a playmaker and primarily creates offense on the power play, and then the power play is bad for the entire time that you're here. Yeah. It's tough to live up to any expectations, and the expectations that the Canadians set for him were always unrealistic. Uh, I think that there's some members of media who are at fault for that, but mostly it was the organization and Mark Bergevin for making that Hefty of a trade for Jonathan Durant. and I know he was highly touted coming out of junior but like it was pretty obvious relatively early on that the type of player he was going to be which is a bit of a defensive liability but he tries hard just not very good at it and creates a lot of offense from the perimeter to the inside but he has to have players that mesh with him and the Canadians for a long time just did not have Players that meshed with him, like they kept on sticking him, with like Max Domi, who was also terrible defensively, so it yeah. compounded things. And they would yeah. both get like benched for it, and it's like, but you're, this is who you're putting together. Like, what do you expect is going to happen?
1: <laughs> yeah, they they bring in guys and expect them all to become Lekanen, right? And uh you know, it, it's and there's a reason why <laughs> there's a reason why Lekanen is so good in his own end is because that's where his attention is. Like that's where his you know, he is, he does work all over the, the ice, but you know, he got, what was it? 18 goals in his first season and hasn't touched it since Yeah, uh, because they love his defensive specialist bit. Right. Um, you know, and, and I think, you know, Drew came in, you know, that forced year at center, which was ugly. And then uh, the year was with, with Domi, which uh, they had beautiful chemistry at times. though nowhere near as, as, as uh, long as some fans think, I mean, I hear fans all the time, bring back Domi and reunite Drew and Domi or send Drew to to Columbus and reunite them. And I'm like, they, they had moments, but they, you know, generally speaking when the pair was in the ice or there were more goals that went in their own net than in the other net. And that's not kind of the target. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, he's, he's not been set up for a ton of success. Um, uh, but I have to say, I, I, I like the thinking between him and Dvorak, um, but Dvorak has been, um, you know, I, I think he's a player who's better than he's looked in Montreal as well. And, and I don't know how you assess him, like a player that looked better on a, on a team that should have been worse. Uh, <laughs> And then, you know, it's, you know, he's not, he doesn't look anything like, I mean, we saw a bit of what we see, what we would see from him in, in Arizona tonight when he, you know, it was his check that created the turnover that led to the pass from Druin to Pitlake and went in the net. Uh, you know, it was, you know, like, and he won't be, you know, he, I don't think he got an assist there anywhere. I don't think he touched the puck, but he created the turnover after Sherrod had made a beautiful play to keep it in the zone in the first place. Uh, But, but yeah, it's, it's just, you know, how, how you evaluate some of these guys when they're, you wonder where, if people, if, if you wonder if this, I I say this all the time, you wonder if the video was available to the guys in charge, because you see them set up in places that aren't really where they've excelled in their careers previously.
0: Yeah, it's, it's an odd situation. There's a comment here saying, look out Habs, the Oilers are coming to steal your first overall dreams. Listen, they don't have Taylor Hall anymore, so they don't have the number one overall whisperer to uh, <laughs> make that happen. But they are surely falling down the standings very rapidly. I, You know what I think it's is going to happen? Fall. I've been putting this out all over the place lately of what I think is going to happen with the Oilers is they're going to acquire Marc-Andre Fleury. It just makes that sense. That makes sense. You know? That just makes
1: too much sense. It, you know, everyone I, I know has fans want it to be a uh, price. I just don't see the timing working. Or the money. Uh, I mean, or the money. I mean, the money, it, if, if you could do a little bit of cap gymnastics, and even if you can make the money work out, I mean, they have to give up some of their depth uh, in those expensive contracts to to even think about adding price. But beyond that, price isn't playing yet. Price hasn't even hit the ice yet. And, you know, Ebenden needs to be making that deal now. Like, they yeah. need to be landing a goalie now. And, uh, you, got it. you know, it's and, – and you have, you know, you have their GM saying he's not giving up first-round picks for rentals. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's uh, – you know, he has to think about, you know, you're not going to give up first-round picks for rentals, but are, are you prepared to have another – first round pick in the top 15 uh, because that's where you're headed and how many years of that are you going to sustain? And, you know, are you going to let drafts come and go and not entertain taking a goalie uh, in a year when goalies look pretty good? Uh, But it's, it's just, uh, I'm referring to another draft where we kept waiting for Edmonton. I think that was last year. We kept waiting for them to take the goalie. And they just kept, you know, picking someone else and then finally picked the, you know, the goalie that no one expected, but uh but Flurry makes sense. It just uh if
0: he's interested. That's the thing, right? Because he has some level of control and yeah. I would assume he's interested in going to the playoffs. So and you know, playing with Connor McDavid's gotta be interesting. But they might have to do some convincing. I I mean he's probably got a few options that he can look at and he I know he did I don't think he moved his family to Chicago uh from Vegas. I think okay. they're still in Vegas. So there's like no matter where he goes, it's He's still in a moving pattern, right? Like he can kind of go anywhere. So it'll be up to Mark andre Fleury. But I feel like outside of the goaltending also, the presence that he brings to the room, I think would be very important for the Edmonton Oilers. The levity, uh, the leadership that he has, yeah. just, he's got to be one of the most well-liked guys that I've ever seen in this league. They really need that. Like you look at the players and they look so defeated, which you know, we're very used to seeing here right now. I mean, from the first couple games of the season, it looks like the shoulders have been slumped, but that's the situation in Edmonton right now.
1: It it is the situation in Edmonton. They and they have needs in several areas. I mean, the net is one one of them, but you know, and and maybe like would Flurry entertain another contract beyond this one, even to allow Edmonton some time to get sorted? Uh, would it take a first round pick to get him? I don't know, uh, but it like that's for me that's the logical connection. Uh, there was some, you know, some chatter about them picking up a uh, guy from Hudobin? Uh, the uh right. But that's for me, that's, that's more of same a little bit. I think.
0: Yeah. It's um, not a big enough upgrade to, to risk anything. Right. Like I, I think if they couldn't get flurry, the one other guy that I would look at if I was them was Jake Allen, which kind of yeah. brings us back to the Montreal fold. Right. And like yeah. Jake Allen, if the Canyons were going to be competing, they'd want to keep him in the fold, right? But they're not. Yeah. I think he has earned a chance to do something. You know? Yeah. Like he's just been such a good sport about all of this. And yeah, you know, the injury issues this year are something that they would have to worry about, obviously. But I think that he's proven over time that if he can have a good team in front of him, he has these spurts where he can be fantastic. And I don't think Edmonton needs Amazing in that, right? They just need not killing you, which I think yeah. Jake Allen can provide.
1: And someone who can stay healthy, right? Like, I mean, that's yeah. that's you know, and and it, you know, it was fascinating to me to watch I forget the GM's name at the moment, uh Holland, to watch him talking about uh, you know, when he was when when he did his uh presser last week and you know, talking about Evander Kane and, and so on, and then you know, talking about we need we need to get a save, we need you know we get things sorted net and I'm thinking how many years you've been, how many off seasons have you come and let go when you didn't deal with your net situation, when it was obvious to everyone watching a game that one of the big things you need to deal with in your off season was your situation in net and three seasons came and went and he didn't deal. So it's like, you know, you know, my joke is, it's like saying you got to get rid of your headache and you're the one holding the hammer pounding yourself, you know, like (laughs) it's like, you know, deal with your net in the off season. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, that's,
0: that's another team in free fall. Yep. Um, Absolutely. It's, it's actually kind of nice to talk about another team. That's uh, also sucking, you know,
1: (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot of suck in Canada.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No kidding that, you know, that is an issue that needs to be investigated across the board. How bad management is for Canadian teams overall and how bad it's been for so long. And, you know, we probably won't get too much into it this show because you know i don't want to keep you all night even though it was an early <laughs> game but i my theory on that is just that canada's teams are far more old school and unwilling to innovate compared to the teams in the states because the teams in the states just don't have the like traditional fan base that they have to please they can just kind of do things like it,
1: yeah with, yeah w- can, with a little bit more freedom
0: yeah.
1: yep they can they can try things i mean when you think about the more traditional of the american teams they're the they're the older teams yeah, the newer you know the teams that uh, joined the league more recently, and you know the last few, uh, I, you know the two expansion teams. So beyond that, that the the growth, you know, the last period of growth, those teams tend to, you know, uh, in, with varying degrees of success. But they tend to try things a little bit differently. I'm hopeful, though. I'm hopeful that the Habs are going to do things a little bit differently this time around. Um, you know, I, I think. I think the Gordon hire, hiring was creative. It was it was smart on uh, Molson's part, and it sounds like they're going to do something a little bit different around the GM. Though I, I believe the announcement was supposed to come during the game. Was was uh,
0: that was the rumor from the yeah. radio station here from Martin McGuire, yeah. and obviously didn't come to pass. But yeah. from contacts that I have, it's probably going to be this week. So it might be tomorrow. Yes, Dylan. No. Is lost she's lost yes <laughs> and also twig and her mom is lost they're lost are they in a cave oh. no it looked like a cave there there's somewhere... is it a forest yes oh
1: they're probably defensemen for the montreal canadians yeah. <laughs> if,
0: they're, if they're that <laughs> lost yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, the, the new management structure is super, super intriguing to me. I I see it it as very similar to the Toronto Raptors, right. With Masai and Bobby Webster. Yep. And they have some freedom to do things. I think that they're definitely, definitely going to hire. If not as the GM, as an assistant GM or someone else in management, at least one of the two women that they interviewed in their GM, uh, interviews. That's really exciting to me to bring in a little bit of diversity of thought. Yeah. To the process yep. which is just very lacking in this sport uh someone says she's so cute it, actually he he just loves his long hair and his uh little pins here are, uh barrettes to hold it out of his face but uh yeah dylan is his name for those who are wondering long um, live
1: boys with long hair
0: exactly he's got the hockey <laughs> hair right he's got like the eric yep. carlson flow going thick hair too so good much hair. hair wish dad had that <laughs> hair <laughs> but uh not to be not to happen for me um yeah so i'm really excited about that just from a purely edu- or not educational purely like a scholarly point of view like i, I yeah. want to study it and see what happens one thing that i wanted to mention before i let you go lori that i thought was really cool was espn's broadcast tonight the first ever broadcast from all women i don't know if you watched on uh, that broadcast or rds but i thought that was super cool and it was like Unfortunately, the first period, the rink noises were super loud, and there was an echo in it, so I couldn't hear very well. But from then on, it was really cool to have different voices on the broadcast.
1: It, it was, and and I actually turned on the game and was kind of listening for a while, and went, "There's something different about this game." And I'm like, "Oh, it's ESPN." You know, it's a different sound that I'm usually listening to. I'm usually listening on Sportsnet, but um, you know, then I'm listening for a while longer, and it's like, "Oh." They're all. It's all women calling this game, and uh, yeah, they. I thought they did a great job. Uh, My my favorite line from was it was it um, someone Hexal I think was doing the play by play when she says when she says at the end end of the first. It's only the sixth game of the season that the Arizona Coyotes have led after one. Oh God! (laughs) I think the number would be smaller actually for the Habs if they were leading after one.
0: Oh man! (laughs) But.
1: But yeah, I thought they did a great job. It was, uh, it was, it was, you know, some nice commentary from them. That it, you know, it, it came off pretty seamless, and uh, good for them. Well, hopefully, we'll see more.
0: Yeah, hopefully, it's not a one-off, and they actually commit to bringing in yeah. some different voices here because I thought it was a really nice breath of fresh air. Uh, one last question here from Marco, uh, asking me, but I'm going to ask you instead, Lori, because I feel like I have tons of time to elaborate on my ideas here if this is the three, if this is the triumvirate of people who were left for the GM, do you want uh, Danny Breer, Matthew Darsh or Kent Hughes?
1: Um, I think, you know, along the lines of doing something a little bit different, uh, the guy that intrigues me is Kent Hughes. And I'm, I'm struck by the fact that it feels to me like he's really interesting to, um, to Gordon, uh, you know, and, and, you know, I had a good feeling about him in his first uh, in his only presser, I guess. Um, but if, if we're going down that path of doing something a little bit different, I loved when Gordon was doing this presser. He talked about I want to bring in a lot of different voices. I, I want to bring in some people that don't sound like Jeff Gordon. I want some people who won't agree with Jeff Gordon. And, uh, you know, I, I, I would I'd like to see whether it's uh, Hughes or one of the other guys, like whoever it is that comes in, I'd like to see some. Different looking faces in that group. Uh, you know, I I, I I remember going to a game here in um, I watched a uh, you know the rookie tournament game, and it was Marley's and well, it was it was Habs Leafs, I guess, but it was at the Marley Stadium, and uh, it was you know it was like a rookie tournament and you know pretty empty uh, area, but during between the uh, between periods during the intermission, I went for a walk, and I bumped into Mark Bergevin of standing, in a, you know, against the wall in the back. And it was pretty wide open because there wasn't a whole lot, you know, there, it was a small crew and so on. And uh, he was surrounded by all these guys. And Bergman was talking and they were all listening. And I don't, I mean, he might've been telling it, you know, knock, knock joke for all I know, but they were all standing around listening to him. And I like, one of the thoughts I had is that you all looked the same. You're all even wearing that blue suit and the brown shoes. <laughs> for the Love of God, <laughs> somebody buy another sh- color suit. But they, you know, they just all had the same look and they were all, you know, in the same, uh, you know. And, and you know, that's not entirely fair, of course. I mean, there might have been some really strong innovation in that group, you know, maybe. Uh, but, you know, the thing that I'd be looking for, the thing I think is most uh, appealing to me about Hughes is someone that looks different than the crew that's always you know, the crowd that plays hockey grows up, you know, gets some opportunities here, there and everywhere. And then suddenly is promoted to executive. And that's not to say that Darsha Briere wouldn't be brilliant in the role. Um, but uh, there is some appeal to the difference of it. And I hope that, that, that they bring in some other guys uh, and women who uh, bring some other looks to the, to the deal. I think some, some different thinking and some challenging voices have been missing in Montreal for a long time. There's 100%. been a. I, I feel like I feel like the last leadership was a bit of an echo chamber, and uh, and you know it, I, I'm looking forward to. I'd like to hear that there was a big racket in the GM's office that they all disagreed and fought it out and came to a conclusion that they could all move forward with. That's 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 how you land your best your best decisions that you that where people are fighting out all the perspectives and landing somewhere in the end that they move forward with. Uh, so that's that's my answer for that one
0: hundred percent. And I'm with you. I I'd like to see a new voice, a, a different kind of voice. Yeah. And of those three, like, honestly, I don't really have a favorite. I feel like Darsh has the most, the best resume overall, yeah. but I like yeah. the idea of Danny Breer and him bringing his perspective to the management side of it. And like the player interaction yeah. part of it. And he knows how negativity can affect players in this market. I think that's super interesting. It is. I don't know as much about Hughes, but his profile sounds really interesting as well. There's so much opportunity here. I hope they hire a bunch of people and just like yeah. completely overhaul that management structure and player development to the to the bones, strip it to the bones and then rebuild it back up. Yeah, but uh, I, I think we'll probably have to cut it there just because uh, I've taken up your whole night here and this one has to start bedtime soon. But uh, before we go, Lori, uh, tell everyone where they can find your stuff.
1: So I'm Laurie Tanhabs on Twitter. Uh, you'll see my stuff uh, at uh, habatter.wordpress.com. Um and I also write for a little paper out on the East Coast, Rec House Press. Um, and you can find my, some, you know, a weekly column there as well. But it's all—you'll all find it all on Twitter. Uh, I Post on the regular and get my stuff out there. So appreciate any any chatter around that.
0: Awesome! Thanks so much for joining me here, and thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll be back tomorrow night with probably another Habs loss. Cause that's what we do every <laughs> night here at game for Montreal. Quite possible. <laughs>
1: All right.